Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Of course, the State of the Union speech begins when this program ends, nine p.m. Eastern time. I will be on Hannity at some point at the eleven p.m. hour, Eastern time on Fox. He's invited me to comment on it. Uh, my admiration for the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, grows. By the hour. He's now rallying his people. For the surge that will be. The bloody vile attack on the people in Kiev. And there are now reports. That the Russians. Are using vacuum bombs. I didn't even know of such things. What are vacuum bombs? Well vacuum bombs are some kind of a bomb that sucks the air out of your lungs. You ever heard of this, Mr. Producer? That's what they are. They're a form of, I would argue, chemical warfare. And uh, USA Today writes, the Russian forces have been accused of using the widely banned and dangerous weapons known as vacuum bombs that obliterate their victims. Amnesty International accused Russia of using vacuum bombs or thermobaric weapons to attack a preschool in northeastern Ukraine while civilians took shelter. CNN reported that one of its teams had spotted a Russian thermobaric multiple rocket launcher near the Ukrainian border on Saturday afternoon. Oksana Makarova, Ukraine's ambassador to the United States, told reporters after meeting with members of Congress on Monday that Russia had used thermobaric weapons. They used the vacuum bomb today, he said, after a meeting with lawmakers. The devastation that Rust is trying to flick on Ukraine is large. So this is a bomb aimed at blowing out these people. 
Pasaki said she'd seen reports but didn't have confirmation. So what are these things? The thermobaric weapon, also known as a fuel-air explosive, uses a container of fuel and two separate explosive charges, according to Human Rights Watch. Human Rights Watch said the weapon is fired or dropped, and the first explosive charge spreads the fuel in a cloud that sucks up oxygen, then flows around objects and into structures. As the fuel cloud spreads, the second charge detonates. The explosion creates a blast wave that is most destructive in enclosed spaces, buildings, and foxholes. In other words, it sucks the oxygen out of a, uh, of a, out of a space, out of an area. And people die almost immediately. Um, it is a weapon that the humanitarian law has, excuse, international law prohibits the use. It's inherently indiscriminate weapons such as cluster bombs. The Russians are using cluster bombs, and they're using thermobaric weapons against the people of Ukraine. Russia suspected the use of the weapons in Chechnya. 1999, the Russian military reportedly used FAE bombs against the Dajasani village of Tondo, Russia. They have used similar thermobaric bombs in Islamic State group caves and so forth and so on. So... Putin's up to his, uh, his usual tactics, coming as close to uh, biological and or chemical weapons as one might, in attacking the civilians. And there's more. As I pull this up, there's been an assassination attempt on Levinsky. Uh, he's brought in at least 100, hundreds of Russian mercenaries in Kiev with orders to kill Zelensky is the report from our friends at the Washington Examiner. More than 400 Russian operatives have been deployed to the Ukrainian capital of Kiev on a mission from the Kremlin to assassinate President Vladimir Zelensky as Russia wages war in the country, according to a report. The assassins are part of the Wagner Group, a militia flown into Ukraine from Africa five weeks ago and offered a handsome financial bonus if they succeed, the Times of London reported Monday. They're very effective because they are hard to pin down, General Sir Richard Barons, a former commander of the British Joint Forces Command, told the news outlet. They can appear from the shadows, do very violent things, and then disappear again without being obvious who was responsible. They are not directly linked to the Russian government, and therefore Kremlin officials will plausibly deny involvement. The U.S. intelligence community is very concerned for Zelensky's safety. In addition to Zelensky, the report claims that the assassins are also after Ukrainian Prime Minister Denis Shmalo, Kiev's mayor and former boxing champion Vitaly Kosheko, along with 21 other targets. The Ukrainian government was informed of the operation Saturday morning, prompting officials in Kiev to enact a 36-hour curfew to search the city for Russian operatives, according to the report. Um, also, they sent in Chechnyan assassins to try and take out Zelensky. Uh, here we have a story from uh, the Jerusalem Post. Ukraine foils assassination attempt on Zelensky by Chechnyan special unit. 
A unit of Chechnyan special forces sent on a mission to assassinate Ukrainian President Zelensky was eliminated. Head of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council, Oleski Danilov, announced on Ukrainian Parliament's official television station, Rada TV, yesterday. According to Donilov, Ukraine received intelligence on the assassination attempt from the Federal Security Service of the Russian Federation agents. Now, I can say that we received information from representatives who today have no desire to take part in this bloody war. In other words, leaks from them. The special unit belonged to a Chechnyan paramilitary organization aiding Russian forces in their invasion of Ukraine and the special operation that was to be carried out directly to eliminate our president is fully known to us today, Danilov said. How many heads of states would continue to be heads of states under this scenario? Many of them would resign and get flown the hell out of there. Biden offered Zelensky passage out of his country, and then that's when he famously said, I don't need a car. We need weapons. I don't need transportation. We need weapons. Quite a remarkable man, don't you think? So Russia's using vacuum bombs. Russia's using all kinds of weapons that have been banned in the past. But of course, Putin doesn't matter. He's used gas against his own people. He's killed his own people to create drama and create scenarios. I see the New York Times and their ilk are very concerned that conservatives are not backing Ukraine. Now, this is something I was concerned about, too, and I tried to explain this at CPAC, and I've explained it here behind the microphone. That we're not really talking about conservatives in the traditional sense. We're talking about populist nationalists, in many respects, who don't even understand what they're supporting. Um... Again, I tried to make this abundantly clear at CPAC. I've made it clear behind this microphone. And it is greatly concerning. But I will notice this. More and more people are concerned about what's going on in Ukraine. Even people who are in broadcasting. Who seem very sympathetic to Russia. And were very unconcerned about what was taking place in uh, Ukraine or would take place. Seem to have walked that back, haven't they? Now they're rooting for the Ukrainians against the Russians, and they're trying to explain to us how they've always been against Russia invading Ukraine. Problem is, the tail of the tape demonstrates something else. They weren't, and they aren't. And a little late, I might add. But as far as the New York Times goes, I've pointed out in Unfreedom of the Press and American Marxism that the New York Times supported Stalin against the Ukrainians, with their propagandist, Walter Durandi, who they knew was a liar, and yet he was the Moscow chief correspondent for over a decade, 12 years. He was on Stalin's payroll. Stalin got him a girlfriend whom he impregnated. Stalin made sure he had the best food. Stalin made sure he had a car and a driver. As long as he would spew Stalin's propaganda, which he did happily. And he did it in 1932-33. When Stalin was starving to death, the Ukrainians and murdering, mass murdering them in a horrific genocide that killed up to five, some say 10 million people. And the New York Times effectively did the same thing when it came to Adolf Hitler 
as their chief correspondent in Berlin, had a sympathetic view of, uh, of the Third Reich, uh, and they mostly covered up what was taking place in Europe at the hands of Hitler. So that's Stalin and Hitler. And of course, we've talked about their support for Castro. But they're very concerned, you see, about, uh, about the conservative movement. I wouldn't be. When I spoke at CPAC, immediately I got it right for once. And I raised this topic. I wasn't booed. I wasn't jeered. I was applauded and cheered. So was Zelensky. So were the Ukrainians. And when I dissected the very short period of time we're given, nationalism and populism from Americanism, constitutionalism, individualism, and conservatism, again, the audience was embracing, cheering, and supportive. So the New York Slimes and other elements, they, they glom on the certain writers, certain radio and TV broadcasters, certain elements, to try and project a viewpoint on you that you don't have. There's an excellent piece in The American Thinker by Jack Cashel. The New York Times hasn't always cared about Ukrainians. The New York Times hasn't always cared about Ukrainians. It hasn't always cared about Jews. It hasn't always cared about republicanism and constitutionalism. The New York Times is a disgusting, evil, corporate propaganda operation. It is today as it was yesterday as it was last century. Same with the Washington Post. And more recently with the news networks, which are newer than those newspapers. And certainly with so much of cable. No question about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Harry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Hello, we are back. The New York Times Moscow correspondent is Jack Cash of the American Thinker Points. Out. Walter Durani admitted to being pleased as punch when Stalin announced his five-year plan in the fall of 1928. Stalin, as Durante observed in his well-titled book, I write as I please, was the world's greatest living statesman. 
A pioneer in the art of fake news, Durandi saw signs of greatness in Stalin's plan, quote, to socialize virtually overnight 100 million of the stubbornest and most ignorant peasants in the world. That would be the Ukrainians, you see. Most of these, quote, ignorant peasants, unquote, were small Ukrainian farmers or kulaks, as they soon became to be known. Durante was impressed that Stalin could turn these independent souls into cogs in a vast collective despite a creaky transportation system, a dwindling food supply, and psychotic drive to maintain existing production levels. When all these factors are considered, wrote Durante, it's a little short of a miracle that the plan was carried through. Remember, he was writing a news column for the New York Times. With the opening of the Soviet archives, scholars now know how Stalin did carry his plan through. During the years of the plan, 1928 to 33, as many as 5 million Ukrainians and 3 million others died to show how well communism worked. The story that Durante missed, or more accurately concealed, is no longer a matter of speculation. It's a matter of fact. And the fact is that no single Western journalist so profoundly misreported a story as Walter Durante of the New York Times No mean feat, given the Times-Russia coverage of the last five years. The Black Book of Communism notes, quote, Recent research in the newly accessible archives has confirmed that the forced collectivization of the countryside was in effect a war declared by the Soviet state on a nation of small landholders. As even recent history suggests, Ukrainians don't roll over easily. In March 1930 alone, there were more than 6,500 mass demonstrations centering on Ukraine and expanding outwards. In all of 1930, some 2.5 million peasants participated in the 14,000 revolts or riots that engulfed the countryside. And during a six-week period, including March 1930, the Ukrainian GPU, the justice arm of the Soviet state, sentenced more than 20,000 people to death through its, courts, for, for, through its courts for resisting collectivization. Many others were executed without judicial niceties. Somehow this all seems to have escaped the attention of Durante. Much worse, escaped him in the years ahead, and I would argue seemed to escape the attention of the New York Times. The New York Times. January 1933, Molotov and Stalin instructed local authorities in the GPU to stop the peasants from leaving their farms by all means necessary, including mass execution. They stopped more than 219,000 desperate peasants in their tracks, murdering them. And it goes on and on and on, and the New York Times covered it up. Worse than that, the New York Times propagandist Durante got full support by the management the corporatists at the New York Times. Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket Constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. 
I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Hurry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The one-man antidote for liberal media bias. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Again, I will be on uh, Hannity tonight at sometime during the 11 p.m. Eastern time hour commenting on the State of the Union. And the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden doesn't have anything to say to us. He doesn't take serious questions during these events uh, at the White House. And um, now he's going to be talking about potentially how he eliminated the virus, um, all the wonderful things that he's doing. Now we have inflation as a result of this war overseas. And we had inflation before. The price of fuel was going up before. The shelves were empty before. Uh, Let us not forget, Joe Biden is a one-man wrecking ball. He's created enormous chaos here and abroad. And his uh, his incompetence, or worse, overseas, uh, has provoked a lot of these activities by these evil genocidal maniacs. Now, I have a very serious question for you. You're Xi of China, and you're looking what Russia is up against now. Does that encourage you to invade Taiwan or discourage you to invade Taiwan? Well, I think he's going to invade, but... Is he having a little concern about what he might face? And if you're the Taiwanese, are you encouraged when you look at Ukraine or discouraged when you look at Ukraine? Now keep a few things in mind. Taiwan is not on the border with China. Taiwan is an island. It's Formosa. Now, that doesn't mean they can't be invaded and so forth, but that's a much more difficult task to successfully achieve than uh, where you have three sides of a country that you can invade from land. And, of course, south from the Black Sea. Taiwan, the invasion has to be air and sea, period. So are you, how about you? What do you think China and Taiwan are thinking? I've been mulling this over. I'm going to hold back my opinion so some of you can present yours in the third hour. Meanwhile, we, the EU, the rest of the free world, we're giving uh, Russia almost a billion dollars a day because we in particular refuse to open up our oil spigots. And as I keep saying day in and day out, Joe Biden has sanctioned our oil industry, our energy industry, while leaving the Russian energy industry unmolested. So he molests our energy industry, but leaves their energy industry unmolested. I am telling you folks, This is why our enemies were so excited to see Joe Biden get elected. Now, the Democrats are out there in full propaganda mode, as they always are. Talking about how Biden has united us, how he's united Europe. He's following Europe. He's not united anybody. 
we hear pronouncements from leaders even of Germany, of Sweden, of Poland, of Hungary, leaders in the EU, NATO leaders. We hear them making pronouncements about what they're going to do, what they are doing, and so forth. And so I don't have the foggiest idea other than two or three things of what we're doing. Well, that's because Biden wants to keep it secret. No, it's not. It's no secret that he refuses to pull the trigger on attacking their oil system. Tonight, he should speak up at the State of the Union address and speak directly to Vladimir Putin and say, among other things, not just stop what you're doing, like that's going to be effective. Like, how about this? You either stop your movement against Kiev and the rest of Ukraine, or we are going to destroy your energy industry in 24 hours by unleashing our energy industry, driving down the price of fuel, not just for customers and consumers throughout the world, but destroying the price of oil for your country, thereby denying you and your military the funds they need to do what you're doing. Why can't he say that? Why won't he say that? He's such a great leader because the Germans don't want him to do it. And the truth is, and the media know this, and the Democrats know this, he will not act unless all these European countries agree with him. He will not act alone. You can do both, you know, folks. The American people would certainly like for him to take off these sanctions against our own industries that haven't committed any acts of war against anybody. But then he'll lose the base of his party, the Stalinist base of his party. But the State of the Union in the United States, in a word, sucks. The economy, with inflation, race relations with critical race theory, which he's embraced. Crime, the murder rate is at historic levels. The borders are wide open, immigration, we have debt like we've never seen in In American history, the question isn't what's going wrong. The question is what's going right. And anything the Biden administration is involved in or the central government, the federal government's involved in, is going wrong. Anything that's going right in your life is something that you're doing. In your own home, in your own business, in your own workplace, with your own family. Things that are going right are the things that you're doing. But everything this man and his government touches turns to crap. And that's the truth. His obsession with his legacy. Well, he's going to have a legacy. But here's a man, Zelensky, who's not even thinking about a legacy. Minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week. This man is leading his country. This man is on an assassination list. And Putin's good at assassinating people, the coward, the punk, the KGB agent. You know, Mr. Producer, my father used to always say, and my wife and my mother-in-law say it to me now, please say what you want to say about Putin, but don't say it in a way where this man might hear about it. Do you understand their point, Rich? I mean, uh, Steve? They're concerned about something. Don't be concerned. I'm not going anywhere. Don't be concerned. 
So Putin has committed war crimes. Biden needs to get up there in front of the stage, make sure his teeth are firmly affixed to his gums, and he needs to get up there and say in his cringed look that Putin has committed war crimes. Putin has committed war crimes. With the cluster bombs and these vacuum bombs, Putin is now targeting hospitals and schools. Oh, and did I mention he took out a Holocaust memorial? The man who says he's trying to denazify Ukraine, who's trying to take out the Nazi who runs Ukraine. But there is no Nazi who runs Ukraine. He's Jewish. Oh, yes. So he attacks a Holocaust memorial, a Holocaust site. Really quite remarkable, is it not? Now, the Republicans will want to be and should be patriotic. What the Democrats and Biden will try to do now is wrap themselves in the flag, the very same flag they have spit upon for over a year. How many times has Biden called this nation racist, systemically racist? How many times have they attacked our history and our founders? How many times? Repeatedly. But now they're the patriots, don't you know? I don't know. It's pretty crazy if you ask me. But I don't want to hear this stuff about Biden uniting and leading when he hasn't even done anything on energy. That is a lie. And if he wants to lead, then he ought to do what needs to be done. Crush Russia economically. Ronald Reagan defeated the Soviet Union, which was 100 times stronger than Russia alone. And he destroyed them economically. Trump would know how to do this. Reagan knew how to do it. We all know how to do it. But Biden won't do it. And you should do it. All right, I'll give you my answer. If I'm China and I'm looking at this, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned that the Taiwanese are seeing what's going on. And if that island is attacked, they're going to put up one hell of a fight. If I'm China, I'm concerned. As great as I think my military may be, it may not be as great as I think it is. Because they haven't really been in a war lately of the sort we're talking about any more than the Russian army has been since Afghanistan. This is why the American military is the best on the face of the earth, if they would leave it alone. And as I speak, they're indoctrinating our men and women, our brave men and soldiers, women and soldiers, indoctrinating them on racism, wasting their time. The military is the most integrated entity in the United States, really anywhere. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Harry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. step back does Ukraine matter to you now now folks nobody's proposing sending in troops all the liars and the static and the disinformation crowd no we're not sending in American troops nobody's proposing that nobody that I'm aware of no we're not using jets and no fly zones although I wish we would give them more and more uh, ground air missiles particularly the mobile ones, but the Russians do not control the air. It's the tanks. And if Biden had given them more Javelin anti-tank missiles, the way Trump had, and that's what they're begging for, they can slam away at that 40-mile-long army parade route there, whatever you want to call it, that's going after or focused on Kiev. I think. So we're not talking about that. Do we now all understand why Ukraine does matter? That NATO does matter? That Taiwan matters? That South Korea matters? That Israel matters? Do we all understand why Venezuela matters? And Cuba matters? And all these other places? I think we do. I just think the Pied Pipers of stupidity, the, uh, the neocon artists, you know, have uh, many people in a trance. Uh, they feel the same way about Iran. What are we doing with Iran? None of our business, really. So when Iran gets intercontinental ballistic missiles and puts nuclear warheads on them, it's too late. I want to talk to Lindsey Graham directly here for a moment. Out of all the countries to attack, while the Russians have invaded Ukraine are creating hell there. He chooses Israel. Because he says Israel will not sell arms to the Ukrainians. Now this is an amazing statement from him. Sell arms to the Ukrainians. I'm not a special pleader for Israel, but just think about that for a second. There are certain things we won't do and the European countries won't do. The European countries agreed that, especially the older Eastern Europeans, that they would give MiG-29s, these older jets, these older Russian jets, to the Ukrainian Air Force. We talked about this because those fighters are used to using the MiG-29s in the Ukrainian Air Force, and then they pulled back. I suspect Biden and our State Department told them to pull back. I really do. 
I really do. Now, in Israel's neighborhood, there's Russia in Syria. Russia allows the Israeli Air Force on the sly to use Syrian airspace to attack Iranian forces. Now, Lindsey Graham knows this. And what exactly is it that the Israelis can give the Ukrainians that Poland, Romania, Hungary, France, Germany, and the United States can't give them and isn't giving them? Nothing. 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 And apparently at the U.N., Either today they did or tomorrow they're going to condemn Russia. Okay, great. But don't you find this strange, Mr. Producer? I find it bizarre that he would call out Israel. For what reason? For no reason. I'm not sure what Israel can do any more than I know what, uh, what some of these other countries can do. And I just point that out, ladies and gentlemen, because it's not exactly a secret, because Lindsey Graham said it. And for all we do know, Israel is providing information on the sly, providing arms on the sly, does it all the time, but it may not want to announce it. I think we can make more criticism of the fact that Biden is not leading the world here, that Biden is not turning on our oil spigot. That Biden is punishing the American people. That Biden is allowing Russia to get, now I hear, $1.5 billion a day from its oil sales rather than us flooding the market and driving them economically into bankruptcy. Seems to me that would be a very useful focus in our own country, I think. Now, there are other things going on, too, but I wanted you to listen to how much time do I have, Mr. Producer? Well, I don't have time, but when we come back, I want you to listen to Representative Victoria Sparts. Just a few minutes. She's a Republican from Indiana. She's also born in Ukraine. In Ukraine, And uh, she asks a very good question of Biden. Not of Israel. Not of South Korea. Not of Taiwan. Not of Iceland. Mr. Biden, what are you waiting for on these sanctions? Are you waiting for millions of people to die? Let's take a listen to this together. I've only heard about 10 minutes, uh, excuse me, 10 seconds of it. We'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Look, I understand 
people in public office are reticent to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. And you will soon find who the enemy of America really is, or the enemies are, by the reaction to what I say. If it's fair game for the Russians to try to assassinate Zelensky, then it would seem to me it's fair game for the Ukrainians to try and assassinate Putin. Am I missing something, Mr. Producer? I mean, that's sort of our view here, my view. So maybe teams need to be secreted into Moscow. As teams are secreted into Kiev to try and take out Zelensky for the purpose of taking out Putin. I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm just thinking out loud. I actually believe what I say. Let me repeat it so the slow of hearing at Media Matters and the rest don't screw this up. I'm reading report after report in real news sites that Putin has sent assassination squads into Ukraine, obviously into Kiev, Ukraine, to try and take out Zelensky. Zelensky's people said they've sent two teams of Chetnians, which have been neutralized, and there are others that they've sent in special assassination units from Africa. That's what the media are reporting. Zelensky has also indicated he or his people that they have quelled an assassination attempt on him. And what I'm saying is, I don't believe in playing defense. And this is war. If Putin is trying to destroy the head of the Ukrainian government for the purpose of enslaving the Ukrainians, then why isn't it equally acceptable, and it should be, for Zelensky to set in hit teams in Moscow to take out Putin? And in his case, not for the purpose of destroying uh, the Russian people, but for the purpose of taking out the enemy of the Ukrainian people. I would argue it is perfectly legitimate. But Mark, U.S. law, I'm not talking about U.S. law, I'm not talking about Biden. Those, trust me, our guys not only wouldn't do it, uh, they'd call the Chinese first and ask them if it was okay, and then, of course, the Chinese would call the Russians. But that said, just for the third time to underscore the point, I've read to you stories, people have been repeating stories that they got out of the news, that Alensky is targeted, that our intelligence services say he's being targeted for assassination, they worry about his safety, that Biden offered him uh, transportation out of Ukraine in order to protect him, so now they're worried that he's a target, and he is a target, he's the number one target, Zelensky said so himself. And so what I'm simply saying is, well, then go ahead and target Putin. Send in some brave assassination forces of your own. Ukrainian or Ukrainian surrogates. 
who looked to take out Putin. I don't believe that is a radical or extreme view. I believe that's perfectly legitimate under the circumstances. Perfectly legitimate. Representative Victoria Sparts, Republican, Indiana, was born in Ukraine. She spoke in a very emotional press conference today. I wanted you to hear from her. Cut three, go. I didn't prepare a speech, so, so I'll talk from my heart. This is not a war. This is a genocide of the Ukrainian people by a crazy man who cannot get over that Ukrainian people do not want socialism, Soviet Union, communists. They want to be with the United States of America. They want to be free people. They want to be with the West. And he cannot get over. I'll tell you a personal story. I have my grandma. She's 95. She is right now in the city of Chernihiv. Actually, Chernihiv and the part of Kiev Rus studied Moscow and controlled Moscow. So they're bombing. They couldn't take the city. They're bombing civilians non-stop, day and night, the whole city. She has a daughter. She called her daughter. She lives in little village by Chernihiv. And her daughter told her they came into village with a heavy machine gun, killed almost every person in that village. And whatever people left, women and children, they forced them to work in front of the tanks as a human shield because they cannot take that city. So she told my mom, but shocked. She says, no, don't cry. We are not crying here. We're going to fight, but just give us some guns so we don't just fight with the sticks. This woman was born in Russia, in Far East. She's a Russian-born woman. And they're killing women and children. They do doing the bombs, vacuum bombs, carpet bombs. They, I mean, they are using illegal weapons. They now have special groups that trying to kill women and children tied to ex- expect to Western Ukraine. I called my friend and she said she was able to get out. Her friend was trying to get out. She saw a woman in the gas station get shot with her children with machine guns. So she stayed in the city. They're leveling the cities to the ground, destroying the people. They're slaughtering them like animals. They're killing the people. It is not a war. It's a genocide because we have a crazy man that believes that he has the whole world hostage. And then we have a president that talks about, talks about, and doesn't do things. You know, and what is he going to wait? When a millions are die, then he's going to do more? I mean, we have not just a moral duty. We are the leaders of the free world. We want to, this is going to be the biggest genocide that ever this world experienced. And they're not asking them to fight for us, but they ask us to help, to become serious. That they have ability to defend themselves. That actually, they need to understand that we're serious about the sanction. Not do a little bit here. Maybe we'll just do a little bit this oligarch. This is bit that we're serious. And I can tell you one thing. If we don't stop him there, he is not going to stop. He is going to go further. And then 
we'll have to send our children to die to fight this. So I think we have an obligation and duty to save this world, help Ukrainian people to survive. And this president need to get this act together and exercise some leadership. What's happening under his watch is atrocity. What he's doing to this country and to the world is unforgivable. But I think we'll get together as Republicans and Democrats, but he must act decisively fast or this blood of many millions of Ukrainians will be on his hands too. And all that oil that with blood that's flowing from Russia and gas, and we are buying that. And Europeans are buying that. They're going to be blood. It's, it's next with blood of the Ukrainian people. So I hope you're going to help me to send that message. Because we have to be strong and we have to stop. Thank you for having me. That is Republican representative of Indiana, Victoria Spartz, who was born in Ukraine, as you could tell. She's the one who should be responding to Biden tonight. Victoria Spartz should be responding to Biden tonight. That's not a politician speaking. That's a human being speaking. And she's 100% right. We are not seeing the slaughter that's taking place. There are no cameras there. For obvious reasons, those journalists would be murdered too. But we are not seeing the slaughter that's taking place. People are hoping that this thing will turn around. You know, I have, uh, I have another question. I raised the assassination question. And I hope the Ukrainian government is trying to do exactly to Putin what they're trying to do to Zelensky. We have a lot of arms in this country. A lot of we red-blooded, patriotic Americans. We have seven. From pistols to rifles of various types. And we have ammo. I wish there was a way, and I wish our government would help facilitate this. For those of us who would like to donate I have seven weapons. I'll donate five of them. They would donate five of our best weapons and our ammunition to the Ukrainian resistance. Had some way to do it. I really do. Because I'd do it in the blink of an eye. Wouldn't you? I'd start with my weapons that, that provide the, the biggest kick. Followed by weapons that shoot most quickly. In rapid fire. That's what I would do. And then I'd go to the gun store and I'd buy more. And I'd send more. And I'd go to the NRA gun show and I'd buy more. And I'd send more. I wish our government would help facilitate the provision of weapons in the hands of of American private citizens to the Ukrainians so they can not only defend themselves but kill more of these bastards. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say. said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. As you know, this past Sunday, uh, my program was preempted. We're hoping it doesn't happen this Sunday. That said, next hour, uh, I'm going to play for you what you would have heard in my monologue uh, this past Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Um, I asked Fox to uh, go ahead and post that, which they did. And the great Tara, one of our top producers, uh, has since sent it to me. Sent it to me. So we're going to play that for you. Um, the uh, in hour three. So I hope you listen to it. Kind of special for this audience. Let's put it that way. Uh, and um, some things in there you may agree with. Some things in there you may not agree with. Petro Poroshenko is the former Ukrainian president. He was on the morning Schmo show, so nobody saw him or heard him. So I want to give this a little bit of attention so many more people can hear this. And here's what he said, again, the former Ukrainian president. Cut five, go. We are very much appreciate the uh, javelin supply. We definitely need more anti-aircraft uh, weapons. We are uh, demonstrating that Ukrainian people and Ukrainian soldiers uh, hitting the Russian aggressor and stopping the Russian troops. We do our best. And uh, today, Ukrainian people demonstrate a unique unity and uh, important solidarity with the, uh, our American partners, our European Union and NATO partners. What we need more, we definitely need to increase the anti-tank, anti-aircraft, communications system, armored uh, jacket, and uh, definitely we need to find out the way how we, as a sovereign and independent state, can close the airspace, uh, uh, Ukrainian airspace, because this is extremely dangerous for us when Russia has an, a bomber, cruise missile, Iskander missile against uh, peaceful Ukrainian cities. Yeah, they're trying to blow up their cities now. And uh, nothing is sacrosanct to Putin. Nothing. Alessandro Ustinova is a member of parliament in Ukraine. Cut four, go. Because if Putin manages to take us, it's going to be the end of democracy. And it means that tyranny wins. Uh, tyranny wins. And unfortunately, there, we can keep talking about the democracy that won in the 20th century, but this would be the last of democracy in the 21st. And Ukraine is the last battle for this. And we have to admit that basically what the United States and the Western world had 
declared fighting for democracy. This is what Ukrainians are doing at the moment. Sometimes barehanded, stopping the tanks. Mm -hmm. We do call for more sanctions because, unfortunately, so far, it's been working for the uh, for the Russian economy, but it's not enough. Uh, to be honest, everybody was asking to switch off SWIFT for mm -hmm. Russia, mm -hmm. but it's only a certain amount of banks that was switched off. It actually is going to be switched off. So if we leave the loophole for mm -hmm. the Russian economy and for the Russian banks to use it, they will. Right. The first day the sanctions were declared by the United States, the Russian stock exchange market actually was positive on it. That means that they expected worse. It means it was not enough. And we have to push them harder. And we also have to go after their money. I wonder if uh, Joe and Miki even understood what the woman was saying. Because their heads are so far up Biden's butt that his head pops out of his left eyeball and hers out of his right eyeball. But that's quite true. She's right on, and the former president's right on, and the current president's right on. Now, Kamala Harris wants to explain the situation to us on something called the morning hustle, which is really well named for what she does. Just listen to this. Cut eight, go. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. I don't think he meant that basic, Madam Vice President, to the point of absolute idiocy. Cut nine, go. Some people did question those sanctions because they said that you had a conflicting opinion against President Joe Biden. He said that the sanctions were put in place to prevent anything from happening, and you said the opposite. So which one is it? We had sanctions before the actual invasion. We threatened sanctions to hopefully deter Russia from going in. So we basically, you know, like if you're a parent and you tell your children, well, if you do this, the punishment is going to be that, right? right? And we hope that by Doing right, that, right, right, right. That's it, exactly. God help us. I'll be right back. I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does, and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Mark Levin. 
a proud fanatic for the Constitution. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Biden's State of the Union, it should be called the State of Confusion speech for Biden. It's created an anarchy here and abroad. I can't think of a single correct decision the man has ever made. I love it when people say, can you give me one example where you agree with him? Actually, no, I can't. But that's not my fault. That's his fault. And you'll hear this often. When I came into office, our country was, in other words, trashing the former president. Making excuses for himself. Making excuses for what he's done to our country. With the murder rate up, the borders wide open, our finances in a disaster, the price of fuel going up, inflation going up, and all the rest of it. Price of everything going up, shortages everywhere. You know, when I came into office, he'll lie about the unemployment rate. He'll lie about the GDP. He knows he'll have his, his American Pravda there cheering him on. Then, of course, he'll take credit if he can figure out how to take credit where credit is not due. Oh, yes. Then he's going to talk about how they've, they've so conquered this virus that they can take off the mandates and the restrictions. We, how do we know that? Because California and Oregon and Washington State today announced getting rid of the masks. This is all timed. And how now we... We've come through the pandemic because of his hard work. And how he's helped organize and led and is leading Europe to take on the forces of Putin and so forth. When in fact, he's basically following. I don't think we have enough time to run this uh, in this segment, do we, Mr. Producer? Not in full, and we won't the next either. So next hour beginning at the top of the hour, I want you to hear the monologue that was supposed to be heard by millions of you on my Sunday Fox show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, but now will be heard by tens of millions of you right here on the radio show. Now, Biden is going to, I'm just being honest, this is the politics of it. His people are advising him, and they're writing this speech, and they're they're even fine-tuning it as we speak. They're going to try and get you to rally around him as a wartime president. To forget everything he's done, to forget the 9,000 American citizens in Afghanistan, to forget the millions of people who've crossed our borders illegally, the hundreds of thousands of young people who have died and are dying from fentanyl, the massive debt that he's created, the way that he wanted to destroy our constitutional republic by packing the courts, by only back down because the commission backfired on him. How he wanted to get rid of the filibuster rule for the pers- changing our voting system and nationalizing it. And by the way, look at what they've done in some of these states. I want to talk about it in hour three. Like Pennsylvania, the court there is corrupt as corrupt can get. Same in North Carolina. You have a Republican legislature, Democrat governors working with Democrat-controlled state Supreme Courts uh, to ensure that they have a Democrat state legislature in the future and to blow out Many, many Republican members of the House of Representatives. That's what your Supreme Court did when it refused to act last year in the 2020 election. And that's why the media do not want you talking about any of this stuff. 
But we have to. We're going to talk about some of it. Let's go to Steve Scalise, good man, the number two Republican in the House of Representatives. Cut 10, go. Today, between the United States, the UK, and the European Union, every single day, we are sending $700 million a day to Putin by buying his oil. $700 million a day going to Putin that we could reverse. Take that money out of his pockets. President Biden needs to stop financing Putin's war with Russian oil because he shut off the spigots of American energy. It's having devastating impacts on the people of Ukraine, but it's putting billions of dollars in Putin's pocket. Think about the number again. $700 million a day between the United States, European Union, and UK are going to Russia every single day. President Biden, these failed energy policies are having devastating impacts on Americans, but also on the people of Ukraine, because those policies are financing the war. So why is he doing it? Because this is a priority of the American Marxist movement in this country. And he embraces it. Phony climate change. Global cooling, global warming, not climate change. It's part of the degrowth movement. And they're not going to give it up. Because his war is the war... It's an internal war on our economic system and our constitutional system, and that's what his party's all about. They care more about that than the people of Ukraine, in my humble opinion. Tom Cotton hits them, too, on Fox News today. Cut 11, go. Well, what's the likelihood that you get some sort of reversal on these policies? I mean, yeah, that's we- Bill Hemmer, if you don't know who that is. Go ahead. Seen from the administration the last few days, it doesn't seem likely. I mean, you see them continuing to double down on tenants of the Green New Deal. Um, while they're also taking steps to continue to reduce our nuclear power sources. You know, just last week, they reversed a permit that would extend the life of a nuclear power plant in Florida. That's the exact opposite we should be doing. In addition to opening up federal lands for new leases, as they put a new moratorium on just last week in the middle of this war, we should be building more nuclear power plants here. We should be building them in Europe as well. That's the uh, Bill Hemmer, Dana Perino show. You know, I've never been invited on that show, Mr. Producer. You want to know why? Dana hates me. Yeah, it's true. Luckily, you're not on air. But it, but she, uh, she doesn't like me. She's a bushy, and I'm not. She's a rovite, and I'm not. So they take these things very personally, I think. Bill Hemmer's called me in the past. He's actually a very nice guy. You want to know the truth? I'm sorry, I don't care for Karl Rove. There he is in Texas, you know, fighting for the rhinos right now. Uh, He was supposed to be part of the group that was going to fight tooth and nail and defeat these efforts at gerrymandering that would blow out the Republicans, and he has utterly failed. He's failed at most of what he does. Bush almost lost 2,000. But for the uh, Supreme Court and the litigation that took place, legitimately, uh, but wasn't exactly a landslide. And so, uh, you know, I raise these things. I'm critical of these things. So I'm just not part of the, the social circle, which is true. But this will give you a feel for what to expect at the State of the Union. Here's Jen Psaki at the White House yesterday. Cut 12. Go. So I would say this weekend he had uh, some personal family reasons, an important one, memorial service for a family member, as to why he was uh, not giving a speech yesterday. But uh, he is uh, somebody who has been leading this effort behind the scenes for months. 
See, he's been leading the world against Putin for months, ladies and gentlemen. The guy that that opened the pipeline for them. That guy. And closed our pipeline for him. That guy. He's been leading the world. And listen to Nancy Eva Pelosi. He's not only leading the world, he's the world's great unifier. Cut 13, go. Uh, unfortunately for us, I mean not for us, unfortunately for the situation, uh, we cannot go in militarily. We can help in every possible way that we can with assistance, whether it's lethal, non-lethal, humanitarian, economic, and in every way. But uh, to, uh, to be drawn into a conflict with Biden, excuse me, with President Biden being oh such a... Oh, my God. What, what, what kind of leadership do we have in this country? You, you see this, this Zelensky, and then we... Uh, to be caught in a, in a conflict with Biden. Excuse me, but President Biden. Caught in a conflict with Biden. Don't you mean Putin? Good Lord. And you see, the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, you just don't appreciate what our great leader's been doing. Like Pelosi does. And there she is on MSLSD. Cut 14, go. Now the polls show Americans... Oh, this is Andrea Mitchell. You know, suppose Go ahead. Now, the polls show Americans deeply pessimistic about the economy. Inflation is only going to rise with what's happening on the energy front with this war. Um, what do you attribute to that? What the, the, the decline in the president's polls, even on COVID, on how he's handled it. Um, what can he do to turn this around? See, she would never say that to Trump. What can he do to turn this around? He is he's a sleazeball. He loves Corruption. He's a his son is a this, a son of that. And says, hey, what can we do to turn this around? There's Andrea Mitchell, a Democrat. Go ahead. Well, I think tonight's going to be very important because for people to appreciate what the president has done and that working together with the Congress, they have to know what it is. Mm-hmm. I think the people know you, moron. You're the moron. We're not morons. You're the moron. I think the people know. And they despise you too, by the way. I'll be right back. Mark in. I've been telling you folks for a long time, if you're still with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're simply paying too much for wireless because Pure Talk gives you the same exact great 5G coverage for a fraction of the cost. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Christopher from Grand Forks, North Dakota has to say said, I used to be a Verizon customer before switching to Pure Talk, and I absolutely love it. Pure Talk has the same great service that Verizon does, and a little over half of the cost. And I got to keep my phone. Thank you for being such a great company. Folks, you should join me and make the switch. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. I mean, I have to laugh, at least to myself. These people who say, well, well, what's Ukraine have to do with us? I don't know, Ukraine, yeah, I don't know what Ukraine is. Trying to turn Putin into the enemy. Trying to create a world war. Now, now they're as rah-rah as they get, Mr. Producer. Have you noticed this? 
Folks, you got to be able, and you do, because you're here, to discern people who are principled and consistently principled with fakes, frauds, and phonies. I'm just being honest with you. Who's Mark talking about? I'm talking about a lot of people. I really am. It's very strange. Mr. Producer, do we have a particularly good caller or a particularly bad caller? Can you give me one, please? Mm-hmm. On the Levin app, Eli in Canada. How are you, Eli? I'm okay. How are you, Mark? I'm very so well. I'm surprised you... Uh, hold on now. I'm surprised you're still there, but go right ahead. <laughs> I'm still here. I actually wrote everything down, so I won't be mistaken uh, every time I speak to you. So you know what about- Mo said of the Three Stooges? You remember what he said is, take your time, but hurry up. So we're up against the clock. Go right ahead, my friend. Okay. About the hit squad, it's called the Wagner team. It's a close friend of uh, Putin. You're he right. was a KGB, but he loved Wagner. So he is a very close friend of his, and he's there to topple governments and kill heads of states. About You're right. The- it's the Wagner team. That's exactly right. A hit squad. Uh, based on the continent of Africa, and he calls them in when he needs them, and he's called them in now, as well as the Chechen hit squad. You're exactly right, Eli. All right, I'm sorry. I really am that we're out of time this hour because I wanted to hear more of what you had to say, but Eli's right on. You won't want to miss the next hour and my monologue that was to be on Life, Liberty, and Levin. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I will be on Hannity tonight, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, that hour. I don't know what time that hour. It doesn't really matter. And uh, following the State of the Union to comment on it, I want to get right to this monologue that was to be aired by Fox at 8 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on Life, Liberty, and Levin, but because we were canceled, uh, you were unable to hear it. But it is up on Fox now uh, on the Internet, and I wanted to play it for you. So this is what you would have heard on Life, Liberty, and Levin at the opening monologue. Go. 
I want to get back to basics with you folks. Russia has invaded Ukraine. There's an awful lot of people out there on the left and the right who say, who cares? It's none of our business. Why does it matter? We're not going to secure our own border. Why do we care about the border between Russia and Ukraine? Well, that's an interesting argument, except we do care about our southern border, whether Biden does or not. We, red-blooded Americans, care about America's sovereignty. We also care about our alliances. What do we have alliances for? We have alliances with dozens, scores of countries all over the world. Why? Because we put America first to protect this country. We have forward bases in Europe. Should we remove them? We have forward bases in Asia. Should we remove them? We have forward bases in Africa. We even have them in Antarctica. We have them in the Middle East. Should we remove them all? Why are they there? Are they there to protect the United States of America? Yeah, I think they are. You see, the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean aren't big enough anymore, and we've moved on from 18th century military tactics. We now live in a world of intercontinental ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads on them. Interesting, Ukraine doesn't have any, and none of them, of course, would be aimed at the United States. Russia has thousands of them, and thousands of them are aimed at the United States. Russia is way ahead in building hypersonic missiles. What's the purpose of a hypersonic missile? To hit Kiev? No. It's to get around America's defenses and hit Los Angeles and Chicago and New York and anything else they want to hit. Imagine a nuclear warhead on a hypersonic missile that we can't stop. In fact, we won't know, really, if it's even upon us until it's upon us. They can take out our electrical grid with their satellites. So this is a very serious matter, don't you think, folks? Uh, Most wars don't start in Lawrence, Kansas. They don't start in Newark, New Jersey. They start overseas. That's where the big wars start. Appeasement encourages evil and encourages war makers, encourages genocide. Haven't we learned that? If Ukraine is not an ally, is Australia, is New Zealand, we have alliances with them, defense alliances with them. If they're not allies, how about Taiwan? Do we have any obligation to Taiwan all these years after the communist revolution on the so-called mainland? How about South Korea? What are we doing in South Korea? Why did we fight a war in South Korea and North Korea on that peninsula? I can go all around the world and pick these different regions. Should we not be there? The people who are the isolationists and call people like me neocons, which is a pejorative use to attack Jews these days, because the original neoconservatives were Democrats and Jews who'd been supporting liberal Democrats for office. In the late 50s, early 60s, they switched to the Republican Party over national security. So it's a very clever way, really not so clever, backdoor the Jews. You take my word for this, because I'm not knee-jerk on this stuff. What do they mean by this? No, it's the neo-appeasers, the neo-sellouts. It is the the Russophiles, if you will, who are a huge problem to me as far as I'm concerned now. They never denounce Putin. Putin is a killer. He's a mass murderer. He's old KGB. He worked with the mob in Russia to take out oligarchs that he disagreed with, stole their money. The guy's worth tens of billions of dollars. His, uh, his tactics have reached outside Russia, killing people with whom he disagrees. You see what he did to Crimea. You see what he did to Georgia. You see what he did to the eastern end of, uh, of uh, Ukraine. And you see what he's doing today. And he gave a speech the other day that should leave no doubt. 
it was a Stalinist-like speech. And he said, you know, the greatest disaster of the last century wasn't World War II, wasn't World War I, wasn't the Holocaust, it was the collapse of the old Soviet Union. Well, what was the old Soviet Union? It was a post-World War II um, aggregation, mostly, of separate nations that Stalin conquered. And Putin longs for those days. Now, if Ukraine isn't worth defending, then what is? Now, I'm not talking about sending troops. And you also get this line, you're not going to fight. Are your children going to fight? Uh, why, do we have a draft? I think we have an all-volunteer military where people volunteered. Now, that doesn't mean we support endless wars. That doesn't mean we support war at all. Who is proposing sending ground troops into Ukraine? Can you name one person in the Biden administration? Can you name one Republican in the Senate or the House? Can you name one person who's proposing sending ground troops into Ukraine? None. So why do they make this argument? It's not a serious argument. Now, why don't we look at a world map? In fact, we don't have to look at a world map. Why don't we look at the countries that are around Ukraine, particularly on the west side? Well, there's one. It's called Hungary. Are we not going to help defend Hungary? I think we're obligated to. Oh, there's another one. It's called Poland. Are we not going to defend Poland? I think we're obligated to. Not because Marx says so, because we have treaty uh, treaties with these countries. We have NATO arrangements with these countries. We have the Balkan states. Now, Putin would love nothing more than to take the Balkan states. Why is it that Hungary, Poland, the Balkan states are all scared to death about what's taking place in Ukraine? If you support those countries and Eastern Europe, these newly free countries, they are big allies of the United States. They're all opposed to what Putin's doing. All of them. Well, why? Because they know what he's capable of. And that speech he gave the other day should leave no doubt. Now, I'm not making any excuses for Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a disaster. What Joe Biden did in Afghanistan opened the door to Putin. Putin was preparing in advance anyway. Xi is examining what's taking place now, and he's thrilled because he wants to take Taiwan the way he already took Hong Kong. What about the inbred, Un, in North Korea? You think he's not looking at South Korea? What about this regime in Tehran, the mass-murdering jihadists in Tehran? They're within a whisker of having a nuclear warhead on an intercontinental missile, and Biden's about to give it to them. What do you think the Israelis are thinking? Should we just withdraw from everywhere, ladies and gentlemen? And if not, maybe our new friends on the right and the left can tell us what their doctrine is. Where do we draw our lines? What alliances should we have? What bases should we close? Should we slash the United States military by 75 percent? You know what this sounds like to me? In addition to insanity, sounds like we have a George McGovern wing of the Republican Party. There's always been one in the Democrat Party. Now, just because you support America first foreign policy, just because you're a red blooded American who has a little knowledge of American history and how these things can get out of control into a world war where your kids really will be drafted into war and so forth. Just because you understand how fascists work and Marxists work, that they're not satisfied with the most recent gain. They want the next one and the next one and the next one. Doesn't mean you're part of the Washington industrial complex, does it? It doesn't mean you're working for a federal contractor, does it? It doesn't mean you're a neocon, does it? It doesn't mean you're brainwashed by, by media, does it? No, I think we can think for ourselves, those of us who study history and those of us who understand Putin. Putin is an old KGB killer. He was secreted into East Germany. 
where he did very nasty things. He took over his country. First, he was deputy mayor of St. Petersburg, and he worked his way up, working with the mob and the oligarchs, using blackmail, kidnapping, and other techniques to work his way up the ladder. Then what did he do? He threatened the president of Russia at the time, who drank heavily, but then again was a ally of the West, with prosecution and imprisonment. Should he take over the country at some point? He cut a deal with him. He blackmailed him. He eventually becomes the president of Russia, and he never gives it up. Oh, he gave it up once for Medvedev or whatever the hell the guy's name was, but he was a puppet, and he hasn't given it up since. Hasn't given it up since. Now, what about the president of Ukraine? We're told he's a dictator. They don't have a democracy in Ukraine. Yes, they do have a democracy in Ukraine, just as we had one in the 1860s that was almost overturned from our civil war. You'll find that many of the people who think the president of Ukraine is a dictator think that Lincoln was a dictator during the Civil War. Let me tell you a little story. This is a footnote. People talk a lot about how Lincoln unilaterally suspended habeas corpus, which he did in violation of the Constitution. Only Congress can suspend habeas corpus, although I think our activist courts today would say only they could. But nonetheless, why did he do that? Because he was a dictator? No, he did it because we lost the first battle of Bull Run which meant the new Confederate Army was right across the Potomac River from the White House, the Capitol Building, and the Supreme Court, the nation's capital, which was also the capital of the Union. There wasn't a great army to defend the city. So Lincoln calls in for troops, militia from Massachusetts. In order to get down to Washington, they have to take a train through a city, you might have heard of it before, called Baltimore. The problem was a significant percentage of the population of Baltimore, which was a huge eastern uh, city in a state that was really half slave and half not, Maryland. There were violent riots. And when the Massachusetts militia tried to come down, they attacked it and they outnumbered it and they injured and killed some of them. So Lincoln couldn't get the militia to Washington to defend Washington from potentially an attack from the south. He was also concerned about attack from the north, Maryland. And so he tells his his generals, OK, any rioters violently attacking our troops on the way to Washington to protect our city, throw them in jail. Now, Mr. Lincoln, you know, that violates the Constitution. And you know what he said? We're not going to have a Constitution. Well, what about due process? You know what he said? We don't have courts functioning right now. To handle cases of habeas corpus, we must get our army down here to protect the capital. Things like that happen when a country is exploding, like Ukraine. And the opposition leader in Ukraine is not some kind of peacenik who's a Democrat. He's sympathetic to Putin. I bet you didn't know that. So what does Ukraine have to do with us? Everything. It doesn't mean you're stupid and you send ground troops into Ukraine to get chewed up. But it doesn't mean you're stupid and you pretend it has nothing to do with us. I think I read something from J.D. Vance, who wants to be the senator from Ohio, who, who didn't vote for Trump the first time around, uh, who is now a populist, um, having come off uh, his hedge fund work, I suppose. And he put out some statements saying, uh, I don't really care what's happening in Ukraine. That man should never serve in the United States Senate, ever. If all of our allies don't care about what happens in the United States, we are doomed. 
Now, I don't think we're globalists. We're America first types. And that's why we have the uh, the bases that we have. That's why we need to build up the United States military. There are evil forces out there, whether they're Marxist, whether they're fascist, whether whatever they are. How much more evidence do we need that Putin is evil based on what he's already done? And he's not done. He's basically told us he's not done. So there's a lot of reasons that we have to be concerned about what's happening in Ukraine. There's a lot of reasons we have to be concerned about the current commander in chief. There's a lot of reasons that you should be furious that the United States Congress hasn't built up the United States military further. Peace through strength. There's a lot of concern about the alliance between communist China and fascistic Russia. A lot. Why are they allied with each other? And why do we have to pick one or the other? Why do we have to pick one border or the other? We are red-blooded Americans. You and I, we are conservatives, constitutional conservatives. We're not ideologues. Foreign policy is about prudence, judgment, about America's security, not ideology. These oceans aren't big enough to protect us anymore. And if you want to be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand and pretend these things will go away if you behave yourself or if you ignore these things, you're asking to get wiped out. So no, I'm not a radical interventionist, but I'll be damned if I'm a McGovernite too. Use your own head. Look at the history of the world. Look at the United States. You'll come to the right conclusion. Now I'm live, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the monologue you would have heard on Sunday. But you got to hear it now. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I would like to play this so all the corporatists, broadcast companies, newspaper companies, and their ilk could hear this. This is a precinct in Houston today, where there is voting taking place in the Democrat and Republican primaries. Very important election. I want to. I want you to take a listen to this hat tip, right scoop, cut sixteen, go. With this election, you can vote in any precinct. No, you, said, you said the Republican side is not what? We, we, I don't have staff, so we are closed right now. So for the Democrat, I can vote Democrat? You can vote Democrat. But not Republican. Not Republican. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Have you ever heard anything like this? I don't have staff, so we are closed right now. So I can vote Democrat, but not Republican? Not Republican. I'm sorry. How do you like that, folks? We have some more good stuff from me from Project Veritas. I don't know what else to do. I've got to move to a lot of a lot of these different subjects that I didn't get to in the first two hours. Guy by the name of Mike Schmidt. He's a leftist. He's a uh, he's a pretend reporter, and uh, he tries to enlist Project Veritas journalists as a source for Ashley Biden's quote stupid effing diary unquote. 
So he's trying to enlist Project Veritas to assist him on Ashley Biden's diary. Cut 17, go. I'm just trying to figure out what happened with stupid fucking diary. Would you be the first organization on the face of the earth to go out and and buy something in the middle of a political election and try and publish a story? No. There's a strict, you know, a stream of American journalism in that area. I got a pile of shit on a table, right? Mm. Of a bunch of shit that happened around this PV stuff, right? I'm trying to sort through what's right and what's not right in the hopes of getting the story right. That's my only goal. I've got like different accusations, different allegations. We've got some police reports. I tend to look at a police report, give it a little more credibility, got whatever. So, what I'm saying to you is, I'm saying like, the more that you level with me, the, the more that I'm going to have a sense of what the of what of what to look at is the right the right stuff and what's the wrong stuff. But if I was in the business of saying to people like you, "Hey, look, level with me. I'm trying to figure out the facts," and turn around and f- you, then then I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I just wouldn't. And it would also be the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm some moralist or like whatever. I'm just some dude. Out there in the blank notepad, the crazy world, trying to figure out what's going on. All right, first of all, what's happening here is he's trying to uh, throw a fast one by Project Veritas. I'm just here, really, it's the reverse, to help you. Tell me what happened with the diary. He's trying to set them up. Of course, nothing happened with the diary. It came to them, and they didn't ask for it. And they didn't use it. So this guy, Mike Schmidt at the New York Times, is trying to sucker punch them. And he's also trying to uh, to screw them. And he's got a foul mouth with the F this and the F that and the S this and the S that. Because he works for the New York Times and this is what they do. It's a real punk. Used to be a conservative reporter, by the way. A lot of these guys flip. I'll be right back. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. There's some big time news here. The Federalist is covering it. Breaking. Margot Cleveland. Special counsel finds Mark Zuckerberg's election money violated Wisconsin bribery laws. Nearly $9 million in Zuckerberg grant funds directed solely to five Democratic strongholds in Wisconsin violated the state's election code's prohibition on bribery. That conclusion represents but one of the many troubling findings detailed in the report submitted today by a state-appointed special counsel to the Wisconsin Assembly. You won't hear this anywhere else, trust me. And yet it's big news. Last August, Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss authored, authorized the Office of Special Counsel, headed by retired state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman, to investigate concerns about election integrity in the 2020 election. Gableman delivered an interim report to the State Assembly on November 10, 10th, 2021, 
Earlier today, the special counsel provided a second interim report to the state legislative body, noting the report is final in the sense that it provides a list of recommendations with time for the legislature to act before the close of its session in March. While the special counsel's nearly 150-page report closed with recommendations for the state's legislative body, Gableman stressed from the get-go that the report did not seek to reanalyze and recount that what occurred in late 2020. Nor was the report's purpose to challenge certification of the presidential election. Rather, the report represented a small step toward fulfilling, quote, the duty of all citizens of our state and our nation to work hard to secure our democracy for this generation and the next, unquote, the special counsel explained. From the details exposed in Monday's special counsel report, the state legislature has much work to do to address, quote, the numerous questionable and unlawful actions of various actors in the 2020 election, unquote. This is a finding of a special counsel, a former Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin. The first unlawful action, according to the report, concerned the payment of grant funds to five Wisconsin counties that were used to facilitate voting. That arrangement, Gableman wrote, violated Wisconsin statute section 12.11, which prohibits election bribery by providing it is illegal to offer anything of value to or for any person in order to induce any elector to go to the polls or vote. According to the report, Priscilla Chan and Mark Zuckerberg providing financing that allowed the Center for Tech and Civic Life to offer $9 million in Zuckbucks to Minneapolis, uh, Milwaukee, Madison, Racine, Kenosha, and Green Bay counties. In exchange, the Zuckerberg Five, as the report called the counties, in effect operated Democratic get-out-the-vote efforts. Those grant funds then paid for the illegal drop boxes to be placed in Democratic voting strongholds. The illegal use of drop boxes represented a second area of concern to the special counsel's office. The report notes, state election code limits the manner in which ballots may be cast, providing that an elector must personally mail or deliver his or her ballot to the municipal clerk, except where the law authorizes an agent to act on behalf of the voter. The Zuckerberg Five also violated the federal and state constitutional guarantee of equal protection according to the special counsel in his report. The grant money targeted specific voters for special voting privileges to the disadvantage of similarly situated voters located in other Wisconsin counties. The report also detailed troubling evidence, the Zuckerberg Five counties allowing private groups working with the granting organization, that is the Center for Tech and Civic Life, to, quote, unlawfully administer aspects of the election, unquote, including in one county where one organization was unlawfully embedded in local government election administration. You see, folks, if some of these local and state courts have actually allowed some of these cases to go forward, I mean, there would have been real rulings that ruled this way. Special counsel's report also highlighted the Wisconsin Election Commission illegal directive to clerks to ignore the state election code governing voting in nursing homes. Several nursing home locations throughout the state, 100% of the registered voters cast a ballot in 2020 election, an unheard of rate that included many ineligible voters. Non-citizen and incapacitated citizens also remain listed on Wisconsin's voting rolls in violation of the law, according to the report, because some non-citizens qualify for driver's license. The law requires non-citizens' names to be removed from the master roll, but that was not done according to the special counsel. Likewise, 
individuals declared incompetent must by law be removed from the master list. That was not done. The special counsel detailed many other substantial problems with the 2020 election, but equally troubling to the widespread violations of election law established in the report were the attempts by government officials to impede his investigation. Both the Wisconsin Election Commission and State Attorney General, quote, have refused to cooperate with the legislators' investigation and actively obstructed it, according to the report, with a specific appendix detailing how the Office of Special Counsel and the State Assembly have been blocked from investigating portions of the Wisconsin government. Efforts by the Special Counsel's Office to obtain the information needed for it to complete its work for the Wisconsin Assembly continue with litigation seeking to enforce his subpoenas and the subpoenas previously issued by the state legislature. What do you think of that? And Dinesh D'Souza is working on a documentary in which you're going to see tape after tape after tape of absolute unbelievable corruption in Democrat precincts over ballots. Your eyes won't be lying to you either. So as time goes on, there's more and more and more evidence that these so-called swing states were targeted. And the concern is that they not be targeted in 2022 and 2024, but they will be. And this is what Donald Trump explained in his superb speech at CPAC. If we don't address this now, it's not going away. And of course, he was quite right, wasn't he? Before we go to the break, let me just say this. Over at Newsmax, January 6th participant commits suicide by Jeffrey Rodak. Matthew Perna, who had pleaded guilty to four charges, misdemeanors, stemming from the January 6th breach of the Capitol, committed suicide while awaiting sentencing. The Mercer County Coroner's Office in Pennsylvania said Perna killed himself Friday at his residence, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. No details were provided. And according to the Law and Crime website, Perna 37 entered the Capitol after the doors already had been breached by demonstrators. The website, attributing the information to prosecutors, said Perna stayed in the building for about 20 minutes. He was seen on video chatting with the crowd. Matthew Lawrence Perna died on February 25 of a broken heart, his obituary said. His community, which he loved, his country, and the justice system killed his spirit and his zest for life. Says Matt was an amazing man. In his 37 years, he experienced more than most people do their entire lives. He graduated from Chartsville High School in 2002, then went on to graduate from Penn State University. He attended the rally on January 6th to peacefully stand up for his beliefs. And learning the FBI was looking for him, he immediately turned himself in. He entered the Capitol building through a previously open door. He did not break in, as was reported, where he was ushered in by police. He didn't break, touch, or steal anything. He didn't harm anyone as he stayed within the velvet ropes taking pictures. For this act, he's been persecuted by many members of his community, friends, relatives, and people who had never met him. And he was scheduled to be sentenced on April 1st. Well, what happened? The Justice Department wanted to throw the book at him. He figured he'd serve a few months. They wanted him to serve a few years. He had pled guilty to misdemeanors like trespassing and interfering with official with an official uh, event 
which he did not interfere with. There was no official event taking place. He went in. The police waved him in, as they did many. We've seen that on tape. He took pictures for 20 minutes. He stayed behind the red velvet rope, and then he left. But he couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't take the prosecutors. He couldn't take the judges. He couldn't take the reporters. He couldn't take it anymore. This was a law-abiding, patriotic American. He gets caught up in this thing. And the next thing you know, it's not just a few months in jail. The prosecutors, even though he pled, wanted him to serve a few years in jail. And he killed himself. Anybody care about that? Will the January 6th commission look into that or how all the rest of these people are being treated? How about any of these fantastic judges in the District of Columbia? Almost all of them. Almost all of them are a disgrace, if not all of them. And here Joe Biden wants to put one of the radicals on the Supreme Court of the United States. And you even have conservative radio hosts saying, well, look, you're just replacing Biden. What's the big deal of that? They don't stand and fight. The big deal is that there needs to be a price to pay for promoting radicals to any bench, let alone the Supreme Court. And you fight whether you think you're going to win or not. That's what we do. That's what real patriotic constitutional conservatives do. They don't rationalize why there shouldn't be a battle. I mean, I'm already being attacked by Media Matters, and I wear it as a badge of honor. Attacked because I dared to question this candidate. She's a disaster. She's a Democrat hack. That's why Biden chose her. And if any Republican votes to confirm her, they ought to be defeated. I don't care if it's Lindsey Graham. I don't care who it is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't even be watching the State of Confusion tonight. Um, but for the fact I'll be commenting on it on Fox on Hannity at 11 p.m. Eastern Time at some part of that hour. Um, so I will watch it, uh, and I will make sure I try not to grind my teeth. But let's take some calls here. We have our friend Greg from Iowa. He's 95 years old. He's a World War II vet. He's a really good guy. Greg, how are you this evening, my friend? How are you? My, my buddy, you're, you're an inspiration, pal. Well, you're the and inspiration. And I thank you very much. Thank you. We uh, were poised on the edge of disaster. We're offering up our honor as we go through these difficult domestic and international times. Uh, I was in World War II and also in the Korean. I was called back for that. But I've wondered, as I said before to you, in the four stages of my life, learning the first stage, applying the second stage, the third stage is retiring. And in my 70 to 95 years, I'm talking, and it's embarrassing and frustrating that few people listen. But I cannot understand 
why in the United States we are kowtowing, and I, 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 I don't, I don't want this to appear to be a warmongering, but why are we giving such credence to our former enemies? The enemy of, of Germany, don't want to, we don't want to be uh, in any way obstreperous in the eyes of the Germans. We're supposed to keep them. Gosh, when I came back home and, and Fort Dix and I was getting discharged, they were telling me about on the Yalu River, our American troops and the Germans were shooting at the Russians. Well, what happened in that thing? I don't know. Korea? The the, um, the Chinamen came across the river when it was frozen. We were serving hot turkey to the American troops, and 400,000 of them nearly wiped us off the, the, the military surface. I, I don't understand it, why we are so so outwardly concerned with these folks, except it's financially propitious. Well, we need to be careful, of course. Uh, but I do take your point, which is a very, very important point, particularly when it comes to our failure to place maximum sanctions on Russia, including on their uh, oil industry. I mean, Reagan knew to take them out economically, and that's exactly what he did. And we can do it again. Uh, we don't ask for these fights. They're picking these fights. We have alliances. We have allies. Uh, we do that in order to protect ourselves. You know, people like to talk about Washington and his... Uh, and his farewell address, but they haven't really read all of his farewell address, which is a significant address. It was written with the assistance of Hamilton, among others. And he doesn't say to be isolationist. He was very concerned. He didn't want us to get involved with Britain or France at that time because they were effectively at war. We didn't have much of a military left. We just fought a war, and he wanted us to stay out of it. But he also said that great nations need to engage economically and militarily. And so that's quite obvious. And if we hadn't had an alliance with France and their military, we wouldn't have won the Revolutionary War, would we? So uh, there are those things. But, you know, I, I, you'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, Greg. I want to thank you. We'll move on to Mike in Long Island. But make sure you're listening, Greg. Let's go to Mike, Long Island, the great WABC. Mike, go. Hello? Mike. All right, let's go to Jimmy. I guess not. Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Jimmy. Lenin, the Soviet revolutionary, wrote, you must confiscate the grain and crush the kulaks with the most ruthless terror. Lenin also wrote, he told the German troops, I guess when World War I was ending, Lenin told the German troops to attack the Ukrainians. Russia and the communists have been attacking the Ukraine from day one. You helped expose the, the 10 million or so Ukrainians starved to death on their own farms, the best farms in the world at the time, the best farms in Europe at least. We are in trouble. Look what, look what the communists did here. They closed down our energy sector, and in Ukraine the communists bombed the oil depot. And the, both places, America and Ukraine, the communists say they're replacing a Nazi or fascist government. What a coincidence, huh? Mm-hmm. Very interesting, my friend. All right, thank you. Always important to hear from Jimmy. Now, I hadn't realized this. I suppose I should have with the justices walking into the House of Representatives just now. They all put on makeup. John Roberts' makeup is as thick as can be. He looks almost like Nancy Pelosi.
We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We salute our truck driver friends and our fellow patriots in the Ukraine and elsewhere in the world. I'll see you on Hannity, 11 p.m. hour, Eastern Time. Take care of yourselves and keep your chin up. God bless.